Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. You guys have heard enough of my voice the last month or so with all the solo episodes. So today we have a guest, and I've been looking forward to this one. His name is Vladimir Heskinen. He's a Finnish dentist and independent medical researcher, has published six peer-reviewed articles on photobiomodulation. He hosts a photobiomodulation database, which is a comprehensive compilation of PBM-related scientific research, over 7,000 articles. And I opened up that bad boy, and it is huge. It is dense and a lot of amazing information. And quite frankly, it's been something I've been wanting to do for some time, but Vladimir has been doing it for the past, I think, seven plus years. It's basically an archive of most, if not all of the current photobiomodulation research with all the information, the dosages, the wavelengths, the outcomes, yada, yada, yada. I'm sure we'll get into that, but let's finish the intro first. Vladimir has been writing about photobiomodulation since about 2013, so for the past decade. And personally, he uses it a few mornings per week uh, using a small LED panel for about five minutes, and we can kind of get into that, Vladimir, how you use it a little more so. But Vladimir and I were were connected through a mutual friendship, I suppose. And, and for longtime listeners of the Red Light Report, you'll recognize the name Frederick Paloon, who I interviewed last October. And uh, Frederick is in Sweden. If you guys want to go check out that episode, if you haven't listened to it, it's entitled Red Light Therapy and Vitamin D, Nutrition and Healing via Red Light Therapy with Frederick Paloon. Uh, but today... We're in Finland with Vladimir. So without further ado, Vladimir, welcome to the Red Light Report, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Just right off the bat, Vladimir, and I think this is the type of episode that people listening to this episode are pining for, meaning I personally, I report on a lot of the red light therapy or photobiomodulation research. I talk about a lot of energetic healing related things since light is an energy right i bring on a lot of experts that are in different aspects of health and wellness and uh, biohacking or longevity what have you but it's not necessarily common to have someone with your background specifically in red light therapy and photobiomodulation with your depth uh, of knowledge so i'm very excited for to learn from you, and I'm sure the audience will will walk away from this conversation further enlightened. So with all that being said, give us a quick background as to just yourself in general, but also kind of the origin story, how you found and got excited about red light therapy. Uh, yeah, so nowadays I'm kind of a dentist in Finland, and I've been, like I started my studies in 2014, but before that I used to like just uh, study chemistry in the university and write a health blog <laughs> in Finland. And uh, related to that, I, when I was much younger, like in high school, I got uh, just uh, plain interested in many health topics. And I kind of started reading a lot of blogs. I had like up to 500 blogs in my like reading list. And um, maybe 200 of them were related to health. 
And then I kind of learned about many health-related trends and ideas that many people like had. Many of the blogs were uh, like very science-oriented, and the articles were focusing like on research. And uh, with that kind of background, when I started studying chemistry, I also started re- reading a lot of health research. And still I kept on reading also the blogs. So I kind of simultaneously read like peer-reviewed research and also all kinds of books and articles and blogs. And uh, I've been writing a lot um, in Finland, in Finnish language about like dietary things, supplements and diets and so on. And uh, often um, people who talk about diets some of them are also interested in metabolism related things like for example thyroid related things are pretty common and so on so one of the health authors that i was reading mentioned once that red light could stimulate cells and energy metabolism of cells and even though I had been reading health stuff for a very long time, I've never had like I I never had heard such a claim, and I found it not very plausible. <laughs> but then when I looked uh, at PubMed, I managed to find quite a lot of research where uh, red light had some effects on um, humans or and animals. So that was like ten years. Uh, from now like 10 years in 2013 and immediately when i found about that i uh, wrote a blog article about red light and health and uh, since then i've been kind of learning more about red light therapy but also i've studied dentistry and nowadays i'm a graduated dentist also, on summers, I've been working in research groups quite often, like in sleep research and also in mitochondrial dysfunction research. Uh, so I kind of nowadays, I'm not only a blogger, but I also have some kind of me- medical expertise. And uh, then uh, my interest in photobiomodulation or red light therapy has grown um gradually and uh, i've like published maybe five or six peer-reviewed articles on the subject i think i have published like at least one peer-reviewed medical article on mitochondrial dysfunction as well but it was in finnish language so it's not possible to read in english but yeah that's my like basic background with in regards to medicine and pbm and um, also database thing it started actually because i tried to submit a review article about pbm to a finnish medical journal like in my country in maybe 2015 and it was not accepted because they didn't feel it that it was plausible that red light could have any if effects so i kind of thought that maybe if i could list all the relevant research in a spreadsheet then maybe then they would believe me 
and my ideas. So I started this spreadsheet project and uh, I didn't expect it to grow as big as it is now, but kind of a massive project. It's massive. Massive. I mean, so again, I was looking at it uh, before we, we started recording and it's like, to give a people an idea, I mean, so he has it broken down. And again, this is specifically about photobiomodulation research. He has the category, so like adipose tissue or, or like bone or brain. Another uh, kind of like a subsection, so maybe a little more specific um, about the type of adipose tissue or the type of bone or the specific brain injury or, or, or disease. And then, of course, the author, country, the year, the journal, the title of the article, uh, the type of study. So is it is it in vitro? Is it animal? Is it human? And then you have the wavelengths, if they're given, the light irradiance, the joules, the different dosages, the duration, how many times per week, and then the results, which I found very interesting. And, and, and I love that part. So were, were they positive results? Were they kind of unclear or were they negative? Uh, so you have that outlined. And then, of course, a link to the article itself. And so I'm scrolling pretty hard with my mouse and like I'm already a, a thousand articles deep and looking at the sidebar here, I'm not even a quarter of the way down. I mean, this is dense and so much information. So Vladimir, I know you said like this kind of started as a kind of like a passion project to showcase that red light therapy or photobiomodulation is, is not just a whimsical idea. Like it's heavily, heavily backed by research. How do you find the time? to input all this information, let alone read the research, which for a lot of people can be relatively dry to read, but let alone you've come up with this amazing database. I mean, do you still um, add to this on on a daily or weekly or monthly basis? Yeah, I kind of try to keep the database up to date. And um, I'm not sure how many studies are published monthly, maybe 30 or 40. Uh, so maybe one per day, and it uh, only takes a few minutes to add a study. But if it's a human study, I nowadays also try to report how many participants there are, how long did the treatment uh, like take, is it like one month treatment or a single session or what, and then the parameters. So that may be... It requires maybe 10 minutes per human study, but it doesn't really take too much time to keep it like up to date anymore. But like in the past, when I added studies, I really kind of, I have not added the parameters as completely as they are reported in uh, literature. So I've been like during this this year and last year, I've been adding a lot of extra information um, that I didn't initially add when I listed those studies. And still, nowadays, every day, I'm kind of taking like 10 human studies and I'm filling some information that I didn't r- really write down. In the Nowadays, I guess I spend one hour per day on this or maybe even less. And sometimes when I have like a free day, I might spend even like a few hours. So I guess that each year, maybe I spend something like 500 hours on this project. So it's pretty much, but like it's much, much less than what I 
like spend on my work. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any vision for where your database can go? Or is this kind of like the end product, so to speak, and you're just going to continue to add to it? Or do you see a vision for it to go anywhere, per se? Do you like, mean like, do, do I have future plans for how it develops? Yeah, develops? like, like I don't know if, if making it more accessible or like putting it in a website form, like, or is this kind of like the uh, product and you're just going to continue to add to it and add to it and add to it? I think that currently I don't have any like major uh, ideas. I'm probably gonna like feel like more information. So for example, quite recently, I kind of added a lot of extra information on the studies that were about treating diabetic foot ulcer. So for almost for each study, I also mentioned like the inclusion criteria for uh, the patients. And also I mentioned the name of the device that was used. I added extra parameter information and so on. So one of my goals is that if somebody wants to get a quick idea of all like every what has been published about some specific indication and PBM, for example, diabetic food ulcer, they can just check the list. And after five minutes, they already know a lot of about the research. Right now, if somebody wants to learn about, like, for example, diabetic food ulcers and PBM, without my database, it's pretty difficult to get a complete view of, like, what has been published and what were the parameters and, like, what were the patients like, what kind of ulcers they actually had. Of course, you can. There are some pretty good systematic reviews, but I'm trying to make it like very well. Yeah, are you familiar with Cliff Notes? Um, I know the term, and but I don't have an accurate like idea. So, especially like at least in America, back when I was in uh, school or high school, I never really used them much, but I knew a lot of classmates that did it's like if you were reading a book and you had to give a book report or like you had a test on a book you were supposed to read you could go to this website where it would have very succinct uh points about the book so you got an idea of like the theme the characters the plot without actually reading the book and so in my head as you were speaking it's like that's what you've put together here with this archive or this database is to your point all of the articles but you're given the bullet points, you're given the cliff notes, so to speak, the highlights. So people don't have to go in to PubMed, like you said, type in a certain condition, try to sift through which ones make the most sense, then have to actually read the article or the abstract, because that takes a lot of time, especially if you don't have a scientific background, then it's almost like climbing Mount Everest in a way. So what you've done, to your point and to your massive credit, is people could go and type in like brain or type in you know, I don't even know. I'm, I'm still scrolling here. We have bone, like bone repair. Gosh, there's so much. It's incredible. Brain, cells, circulation. So they can go to any of these subjects and quickly look across the different rows and in an instant, relatively speaking, get a notion for what the research is saying on a particular condition. So simply amazing. Yeah. If if you like were a PBM researcher and you wanted to have a like complete view about PBM research, 
it's like super difficult to uh, use PubMed or some uh, typical scientific search engine for that purpose. Like there is so much research and uh, it would take you like many years to understand that. So I think with this spreadsheet, it's like uh, like 100 times faster. And that's like, I guess... Um, I'm not targeting this for any specific group, uh, but I think especially PBM researchers might find this spreadsheet very useful, but also anybody who just wants to learn about the science because it's pretty easy to use and you, you can use also the control and F shortcut to use the search function. Exactly. The control F, that's a lifesaver with a document this huge. And one of the questions that just comes to mind, Vladimir, is since you began this process of, of dissecting the research and putting it into this database, what trends have you noticed since, well, I guess you began this this database in 2016? Like, has there been any trends you've noticed in the past seven years for better or worse in, in the photobiomodulation research? I guess that there hasn't been like any major trends. Sometimes you might see that some new uh, kind of um, treatment indication is being studied. For example, during the last year, there have been many papers about myopia, I mean, nearsightedness. But um, the quality of research, I'm not sure if it's like improving much. Like if you look at the literature on like, there is this kind of field of metascience and there have been studies showing that the general quality of medical research is improving, but very slowly. So it could be that the studies that are published nowadays, they are maybe a little bit better quality than maybe 10 years ago, but the difference is not huge. It's barely possible to know this. And um, maybe one of the trends has been the shift to LEDs, because like when I started reading about PBM, they really didn't use the term photobiomodulation quite often. They talked about low-level laser therapy, and uh, like there were a lot of researchers who believed that you had to use lasers instead of LEDs because. It's kind of somebody even like claimed that why would you bring a, a knife to a gunfight? <laughs> like, uh, but uh, I published like one review article on that subject like five years ago with Mike Hamblin. Uh, so we kind of took a look at the studies that compared LEDs and lasers directly, and in general. Most of the studies show no difference between the effects of LED photobiomodulation and laser photobiomodulation. And nowadays, I guess it's quite a well-accepted idea that LEDs seem to be quite fine for photobiomodulation and you don't need the expensive lasers. So that's like one of the trends I've seen. There are more studies coming out with LEDs. And that may also be partially related to the fact that LEDs are, I, I believe, 
I guess I've read that they are becoming also cheaper and more efficient, like um, even nowadays. So the technology is improving. Well, guys, BioLite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the BioLite website, BioLite.shop, go into products, and there will be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them, you save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the Beauty Bundle, which includes a Shine and Stand, a Guardian Plus, and the Longev Revive Cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the Recovery Bundle. That includes the Recharge Plus panel, the Guardian mouthpiece, and then the Longev recover cream and that recover cream is just like the revive cream except it has added cbd oil infused into it that package of three items all comes at 20 percent off and then the last bundle which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want you get to pick and choose from the recharge plus panel the restore plus panel or the matrix full body mat and then you get to choose between the guardian and guardian plus and then you get to choose between revive and the recover cream it also includes the shine and stand so you get to choose between black and silver by purchasing those four products in the ultimate bundle you save 20% off all of the products you also save 20% off shipping so literally the entire package and shipping is 20% off so if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount just remember the bundles are always 20% off 365 days a year no coupon code necessary I mean, that, that's a massive deal. And that's super cool. You, you've you collaborated with Dr. Michael Hamblin. I mention his name all the time. Certainly one of the top photobiomodulation researchers coming out of Harvard. Well, coming out of everywhere, but he's from Harvard specifically. Was that statement made like in 2018, 2019, something like that? I guess our article was published in 2018. And maybe, I guess we started working on that maybe on 2017. I guess I could see that from my email histories. <laughs> Good old email histories. But the point being, that's a massive, massive statement to make, especially from Dr. Michael Hamblin. And that's amazing that you you worked with him on that. Because to your point, LEDs are cheaper, they're safer uh, than lasers, especially from a consumer standpoint. And, and so that's why you're seeing this, uh, probably this outburst of red light therapy products since since that point in time five or six years ago because now it's more affordable for the consumer and equally importantly it's it's safer so if you're getting comparable results with lasers versus leds because uh, to your point initially a lot of the research was with lasers so if we can say leds do the same thing as lasers we can actually take that research from lasers and apply it to leds and saying um, as long as you have the right protocol and you're using it correctly, you can get the results from those laser studies with your LED panel or LED device, what have you. So that was a massive, massive statement to make. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that point, but I don't think we would have the devices we have today or the consumer demand if we were still reliant on laser specifically to get those results. Yeah, uh, like initially, I think there were like a lot of ideas in the PBM research community that you need kind of coherent light that like is like lasers or that you have to have monochromatic lights. But nowadays, like I maybe two or three years ago, I published also a review that kind of 
addressed the idea of having like PBM like effects from sunlight. So the sunshine like is um how do you say polychromatic light or broad spectrum light and right. there have been like ideas that you must have like you know, monochromatic or narrow spectrum light to get the pbm effects but now it also seems very unlikely it's kind of i think very plausible that you can like get some red light therapy effects even from getting sunlight and there are already like a lot of correlations between good health and sunlight exposure. Of course, it's very difficult to study, you know, like to find any causal, like um, to make causal inferences. Yeah. But um, anyways, I think like uh, it kind of makes sense that you just like need some maybe light to stimulate your skin cells and that could be beneficial for health you know maybe maybe in a similar way as like exercise gives some stimulation for your muscle and many organ systems and the body gets some adaptive benefits from exercise so maybe light can be other type of uh, exposure that can make your body more adapted to stressors. 100%, 100%. Especially with you being a dentist, Vladimir, have you incorporated photobiomodulation into your treatment paradigm or do you recommend it or suggest it to patients? Uh, not really, because like the general dentist's work is like very strongly focused on some like making the those fillings and um just like very basic dental extractions and there have been a lot of studies of pbm in dentistry but the, they are like most like periodontal surgery studies or studies of ameliorating the complications after wisdom tooth surgery but like, for example, when I do dentist's work, I do the basic extractions, but not surgical extractions, because usually some other, other dentists like to do those surgical extractions. So I don't really meet many patients who have things that could be maybe treated with PBM. There is maybe some very preliminary research that pbm could be beneficial for some like lichen planus i don't know how to pronounce it in english but maybe something like lichen planus yeah. and uh, of course some people who have very often reoccurring after ulcers or labial herpes they could benefit from pbm but i don't to really see those issues that often here in Finland. So let me let me ask yeah. you, Vladimir. So yeah, so with like herpes, with um, different lesions inside the mouth or, or the gums, what have you. Well, I would certainly think if you're doing anything surgical in the mouth, pre-treating and post-treating with red light therapy, wouldn't that accelerate the healing process, decrease infection rates? 
and just to back up a little bit before you answer that, Vladimir, what I noticed, especially a couple of years ago, is that there's actually quite a bit of photobiomodulation research is targeted to dentistry or um, orthodontic surgery uh, for that exact point as far as accelerating the healing process because we know red light therapy is amazing for wound repair and again decreasing infection rates you can increase the boost the immune system but secondly there's research and i i don't have the article you know on tap like you do with your archives but i could certainly find it that uh, photobiomodulation in the oral cavity can help augment the oral microbiome um, I'd be curious about your thoughts on that because we know if we can increase the oral microbiome and the downstream effects of your oral health to every every system and organ and tissue in your body. So it's a very systemic approach by treating the oral cavity, right? I mean, I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts, especially with your um, expertise as a dentist. Regarding the microbiome of the mouth, I, I guess there are very, very few studies. I can't really like right now even remember one so there is really like too little research in general about like the bacteria of the mouth and uh, pbm but um as an idea it sounds kind of plausible that it could be beneficial to get some light in your mouth and it could kind of support the mucosal health and other things and maybe lead to also kind of better balance between the like of course it's kind of some kind of a symbiosis between the bacteria that are colonized in your mouth and the tissues that they are living on the mucosa and and um as you just mentioned like indeed there are like studies on orthodontic surgeries also orthodontic pain orthodontic tooth movement uh, orthodontics related root resorption also there are like studies on like implant dentistry for example uh, looking at the stability of the implants like a few months after the implant surgery then there are like studies showing that pbm could kind of be beneficial if you get some nerve injury for example after the extraction of a lower wisdom tooth so there like there are a lot of studies but uh when i said that i i don't really meet those patients like really in when i do this dental work it's like very very simple stuff so i don't do implants and i don't do orthodontics so kind of in my own practice uh i haven't really been thinking about it so far maybe in the future and so far i have this like goal to add like more data to my database like regarding the parameters and so on and i think there's still a lot of information to field the oral category as well so i feel that i don't really even know about the research in that detailed manner that would be necessary to kind of use it clinically because i would like to know like everything totally totally be prepared to use it um based on the research and just have a good knowledge of that but back to the microbiome i guess the the other thought process is and maybe if i can find this article i can shoot it to you harmful bacteria whether it's the gut or the mouth it's going to thrive 
in that acidic environment. And we know that with light therapy of all types, but especially photobiomodulation, red and near infrared light, when you're inducing or or accruing those electrons wherever you're irradiating, you're going to take that acidic environment and make it more neutral or even alkaline so that those harmful bacteria cannot thrive. And on the flip side, the beneficial bacteria cannot thrive in the acidic, but can in the neutral and alkaline environment. So again, back to that oral microbiome, if you're able to take that environment out of an an acidic state, so to speak, and move it into a neutral or alkaline, then you're going to switch the ratio of beneficial bacteria to harmful bacteria in your favor. I guess that's kind of the thought process there. Yeah, could be, but I don't personally really know much about that kind of like uh, viewpoint of like uh, bacterial like the microbiome and the tissue the tissue surface acidity i guess because like it's pretty like interesting that when you try to measure like the acidity within body i guess it differs a lot like for example people often claim that okay within the bloodstream it's like very strictly regulated the ph is like always like something like 7.4 but then if you look at like extracellular tissue it can be like very different and then again if you look at intracellular like um, compartments it can also be like very different because i guess i'm not sure i i haven't looked much at the acidity research but for example I have heard that when your cell produces more energy, it also produces more carbon dioxide. And it can, for example, be one factor that locally affects the acidity in the that intracellular environment, depending on the rate of energy metabolism. And that's, I guess, that causes like more acidity within this inside the cell. And that could be good. But um, I guess that also, I'm not sure what would be the effect then, like right outside that cell, but uh, it's complex and something that I would be interested to learn about, but I don't really know much about so far. Sure. Yeah, the, the human body and physiology is uh, extremely complex and, and dynamic. So to your point, the acidity and alkalinity throughout the body is is all over the place and there's so many checks and balances within our uh, autonomic uh, nervous system to, uh, to to keep things, quote-unquote, in homeostasis. But moving back kind of to your database or just your your um, your knowledge with the research, what are some things recently, let's say within the last year or two even, what in the photobiomodulation research excites you the most, whether it's a new piece of research or something that's coming out, like a certain condition or disease that you see some promise for? Like, Like, what are you seeing right now? Yeah, let's think about it for a minute because, like, I have no like um, uh, answers like straight away. But uh, for example, some of the possible subjects could be maybe dementia. Uh, I mean, like uh, Alzheimer's disease, because that's one disease that is pretty difficult to treat, and at least few of the PBM studies have shown pretty impressive, like improvements of co- cognitive like uh, scores compared to placebo treatment so i hope that there will be like many 
further studies on PBM and cognitive function in elderly people to see if it could maybe reliably improve the cognition, maybe better than the dementia drugs. But so far, we only have a few randomized trials. So I guess um, it may make to take a couple of years or several years to get like a more re- reliable body of evidence then what else we have i've always been pretty interested about eye diseases in a- animals pbm seems to protect eyes with about like against almost every kind of problem but in humans the results have been kind of mixed at least now we have many studies that seem to show that pbm could be beneficial for nearsightedness uh, although basically all of the studies come from china and it it's always nice to see if some researchers from other countries could also replicate those findings in the future then there is this um, macular age related degeneration and um, the results have been pretty promising the effects are not uh, of huge magnitude but still kind of it seems to improve the eyesight a little bit in the elderly people who have problems with sight so it seems promising there was i guess one study for diabetic macular edema and it didn't show benefit from PBM, so it would, of course, be interesting to see some further research as well. But it could also be that PBM might may not be beneficial for everything in humans. It's like we cannot assume that it's beneficial for everything. And then, oh yeah, one of my favorite treatment indications would be maybe hypothyroidism. People very often have like issues related to like energy, kind of mental energy and also kind of body function. And hypothyroidism is like a very common problem and there is like no treatment that would like cure it but uh, the results of pbm as an intervention have been like uh, much better than of any dietary supplement so there is this like 10 year old brazilian study where they could kind of they treated the thyroid glands of hypothyroid patients and half of them could get rid of the medication and after that they maintained the thyroid hormone levels without any like thyroid hormone supplementation after that there have been a few newer studies that also show quite similar benefits even like one week ago there was one study from Kosovo uh, published and uh, it was not randomized but it was controlled and it showed like the hypothyroid patients one group received vitamin d and selenium and the other group received vitamin d and selenium and pbm and they like had a six-month follow-up and after the six months i guess the 
PBM group had lost like two units of BMI, like body mass index, and uh, their thyroid hormone levels improved significantly. And also the markers of thyroid inflammation decreased. So I am referring to the antibodies. So the results have been pretty promising. And what else do we have? Of course, the general health is something that may be interesting. Like there have been some studies where they, the, all of the patients receive exercise that are doing exercise for maybe a couple of months. And then half of them also receive PBM. And there have been some studies that seem to show that PBM could improve the benefits of exercise. Like, uh, I mean, augment the benefits. Uh, there have not been many studies of this kind of PBM effects on exercise-related health improvements, but I hope there will be more research in the future. Before I forget, one of the things that I would like to see studied would be the kind of circadian effects of PBM, or even like, does it matter if you do the irradiations in the morning of, or afternoon? Because I, at least in the UK, there is this Glenn Jeffries uh, group in the UCL, University College London. They have shown in maybe fruit flies that uh, in some contexts uh, they had like PBM was beneficial only in the morning and not in afternoon. So if that is relevant for the whether the PBM treatment works or not, it should be studied. But so far, I haven't seen like many many studies about that. And then, yeah, one more. Uh, there haven't been many studies of whole body PBM so far. So more of them could be interesting to see. There are like some studies showing like maybe benefits on fibromyalgia. I think there was one study on fibromyalgia. The fatigue and pain like condition there was one study that i guess they added to near infrared to the office lighting and tried to see if it affects sleep quality and as far as i remember i guess the results were positive but i don't remember anymore but if somebody wanted to take a look at that study my database has this category of sleep medicine or sleep research. Let's see, sleep. I'm trying to use the search right now. There is this a main category of sleep medicine. And under that, there is this subcategory of sleep quality. Right now, I think it's not polite to like spend too much time looking at the database, but I think like it's probably there's, a, there's an inordinate amount on stem cells and regeneration, which I mean, that's kind of an exciting, not even a potential. I know it's positive, but like going into the future to be able to further solidify how red light therapy can help with, with stem cells and regeneration. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Most of those studies are like in vitro studies so far. 
So we still like uh, it remains to be seen what is the kind of clinical application, but I want to see what will be the future of this kind of research line. So, so you mentioned uh, a couple of things about the eyes. First off, because I get this question a ton, is red light therapy safe for the eyes? Second part of that question, like if you're treating other parts of your body, should you be wearing eye protection? Let's answer those two questions and then I'll I'll have some others for you. Mm, I don't have like exact knowledge on that subject, but as far as I've like read, I have read like a lot of research from PBN and eyes and it seems it's like relatively safe. Like it's very difficult to find reports of harms from PBM and eyes, but I think there may be like one or two case reports of some kind of harm from PBM. I think the uh, last one that I read maybe one month ago, just very briefly, I don't remember the details. I think it was like reversible damage. So something happened with some kind of treat PBM treatment and the vision became back to normal after some time. But um, in general, the reports are like full of claims that uh, they didn't notice any side effects. So it must be like relatively safe in like 99% of cases. But of course, PBM is a kind of treatment where you can have very different doses and very different contexts. For example, if you are in a dark room, your eyes become become very sensitive to light. And when you are in a very bright space, your pupils become very small and your eyes become adapted to brightness. So there are like many contextual factors also in play and there can be also individual differences. Some person can be for some reason more sensitive to the light than the others. But we have like some clinical studies of using PBM for for example, the eyes of the elderly people. And in those studies, they use quite bright red light. I think most often the eyelids are closed. So it's like not using super bright light directly on the eyes, but at least there is a thin layer of eyelids in between. But yeah, that's like my <laughs> short sure. answer. No, that makes sense, especially with what I've read and learned. And, and to your last point with the eyelids, it's just like sun gazing, like I was doing this morning when the sun's rising uh, to get that free red light therapy from nature, if you will. My eyelids were closed and you're still getting that nice bright light from the sun in your eyes. Uh, so to your point with red light therapy treatments, if you're using a, a higher dosage or not even a higher dosage, just a brighter light, then you're specifically treating your eye. You're probably not going to want that harsh brightness straight into your eye you're going to want to close your eye i guess my question to you i don't even know if you would know the answer if you're using the red light because i know for eye research they use near infrared sometimes they use combo if your eyelid is closed is that red light going to penetrate through the eyelid to have an effect on your eye or would the eyelid actually uh, negate or inhibit the red light from getting to your eyeball 
or is that brightness still enough for your eyes to to perceive that frequency and have a have a beneficial effect i think it's like like a thin layer of skin and there have been many studies showing that kind of how much of the red light intensity decreases for example if you go one one centimeter inside the skin so based on my assumptions like a certain uh, proportion of the light is kind of eliminated absorbed to the eyelid but then maybe 10 percent continues its way through the eyelid to the eye so i think it's just kind of a partial filter it removes uh, maybe 90%, I don't know exactly how much uh, of the light. And especially if you are getting sunlight, then like, as we know, ultraviol- ultraviolet light and blue light, they uh, are absorbed very strongly by the skin. So if you look like into the sky and uh, there is like a lot of daylight or sunlight and your eyes are closed, at least your eyelids like block maybe maybe 100% of blue light and green light and ultraviolet light and then red light can travel partially like through the skin of course a big uh, big part of it is absorbed by the skin but some of it continues even through the eyelid and then um, as we know near infrared light uh, goes even deeper so probably only a small part of near-infrared light is absorbed by the eyelid, assuming that eyelid functions in a similar way as other, like, skin tissue. I believe it doesn't, probably it doesn't have many, like, huge differences. I I don't personally know, like, about the anatomy of uh eyelid does it have like some small layer of muscular tissue in it i don't know that's a good question i don't know either specifically (laughs) yeah but anyways it's a thin slice of tissue so uh, it's likely that it like blocks some of the light but not all well which is almost convenient in a sense right because i treatments or dosages for eye treatments are extremely low relative to other treatments kind of like treating the skin um skin and the eye are both very superficial so there's not a lot of tissue the sun has or the light has to go through so the dosages are low or the treatments are shorter uh by nature of that but in the end we can say red light therapy is safe but at the same time, be sensical. Don't look look straight into an LED from one inch away for ten minutes. Right? <laughs> Use common sense. Yeah, of course. Those extreme like exposures should, of course, be avoided because, as we know, eyes can be pretty sensitive to many things. But yeah, I guess somebody could even write a review article on the like PBM safety for the eyes because I guess I haven't seen one like any so far you need sometimes this or something right no it could be a narrative review where the others would just like take a very broad view about uh, take a look what has been studied in animals and humans about light and eye damage but yeah it would be probably quite a big project so 
Uh, and I often think whether I should like publish something. Right now, I have like two review articles in progress, but I'm I don't really know when they are finished because when I try to write something to a journal, I really procrastinate a lot because I kind of want to build it slowly and have a nice uh, end result. Yep. No, I hear you. Another hot topic, Vladimir, with red light therapy questions I get a lot is like, what is the safety or what is the thought process if you have an active cancer site? What do you what do you know based on the research? I guess like there is like very little certainty of what will happen. Like we have a lot of in vitro studies of BBM on tumor cells. Some of them show like that BBM may inhibit tumor cell growth or um, invasiveness or like other properties. But then there are like also opposite results. And there is like a huge heterogeneity of the studies like they used very different doses and wavelengths and very different cell strains cell types so it's uh, difficult to generalize from those cell culture studies then we have a lot of animal studies as well and the results also are very mixed there are like some studies showing that when you kind of implant a cancer to or a tumor to a mouse and then you give red light in some of the studies it even makes the tumor worse but in some of the studies it makes it less bad so the results have been very contradictory and nobody knows how to kind of what does it mean for the humans because in general, like when we have a lot of animal studies about PBM, I guess people should be kind of cautious about generalizing those results to humans because it's a very common thing to see that something works in rats, but it doesn't work in humans. It has been shown so many times with pharmaceutical drugs, for example, dementia and stroke and all kinds of like diseases many drugs seem to work for animals but not in humans so there are kind of major differences between the species maybe and then regarding the humans and pbm there are like some low quality studies trying to investigate like cancer in humans and uh, pbm Right now, I cannot remember the data like accurately. I guess there have been like some promising, like maybe case series from Russia suggesting it could be like beneficial for cancer mortality or something. I don't remember. On the other hand, I don't really trust the like research coming from one group that much there should be more solid evidence body of evidence and then i guess there are also like some studies in maybe brazilian people who had head and neck cancer and they were treated for their over like mouth inflammation 
and then they followed up and saw that they didn't have more cancer maybe during a follow-up period after the treatment so we don't really know if pbm in general on or on average would be beneficial or dangerous for people with cancer so i guess we often see those recommendations to especially avoid irradiating the cancer cancerous body parts and maybe even avoiding pbm if you have cancer but i guess even those recommendations are based on very very low certainty of what will actually happen because like nobody knows yeah that's one area of research i really hope uh we can get some more solidified information over the coming years i mean because to your point right now it's kind of we don't really know. It's kind of a crapshoot. And so you certainly can't recommend it. We can't say it's a contraindication because I guess, at least to my knowledge, there's no contraindications for, for red light therapy. Um, but lastly, of course, you wouldn't want to directly irradiate an active site, not because it couldn't help, but because it could be dangerous and we just don't know enough now. So yeah, for the time being, and, and this is the recommendation, I think I did I read it from Michael Ham- Hamblin or someone else that just don't directly irradiate an active site, but irradiate, you know, further distances away from your body? Like if you want to treat your legs and your you have a cancer site like up in your uh, shoulder or something like irradiate, maybe like uh, your lower back or your legs or, you know, just things away from the active site. Not because it would increase the cancer or make it worse. It certainly could, but we just don't know enough for for it to be definitive. That's a tough one to research in humans, right? Because you have to have someone that's willing to go through that and and have a risk, right? Like most of the research in that area is done on either A, animals, or the research I've seen for the most part is people on chemotherapy, and then you use red light therapy to counteract the negative side effects of uh, cancer-related treatments, right? But to have research specifically on an active cancer, I haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, you're right that there there would be kind of ethical problems with those studies, quite likely. Uh, but yeah, for example, like uh, in Belgium, there have been some studies of using PBM for like radiation-induced uh, skin, like a dermatitis. So maybe it would be kind of wise to follow up those patients and see maybe if there could be any correlations regarding their like long time survival or anything but so far even though bbm research is quite active we are getting like 500 studies per year of course many of those studies are review articles the number of original studies is lower than 500 Still, I I wouldn't call PBM research field like super active so far. There have been like much more. Uh, like if you look at vitamin D research, you have like higher rate of um, publication on, on cer- certain topics. But on the other hand, on PBM. Like if we look at the research of like many drugs that we are aware of, maybe even something like ibuprofen, 
it could be that PBM, like PBM clinical studies are published at a higher rate, but the PBM research is very kind of, could I say compartmentalized, like to very, like there are PBM and neck pain researchers, there are PBM and dementia researchers, like, uh, and uh, the end result is that like every like five years, a little bit will be published about PBM and neck pain, a little bit about PBM and eyes, a little bit of PBM and uh, heart, but like a little bit of everything. <laughs> and then, it, for example, each of those categories will be like uh, the research is growing very slowly <laughs> if you look at individual categories of pbm research yep yep yeah that's what i've noticed too instead of having let's say like a consistent flow of a particular condition or disease they kind of just come in spurts yeah but hey even with that being said i mean to have thousands and thousands and thousands of, of of articles relatively substantial compared to a lot of these other shall we say energetic healing modalities i mean i haven't delved too hard into like PEMF or other types of light therapy or gosh what are some even even just grounding like on planet earth there's not that much research so relatively speaking photobiomodulation has a pretty good amount but to your point it'd be nice to have a more consistent flow uh throughout the course of a year and 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 especially on topics like to your point and instead of just having like one on neck pain a year like let's churn some out or get some more specificity or have more consistency with the type of devices, the type of protocols. Because I mean, even just looking at your your database here, and I already know this based on me reading the research, but people are using all different types of devices. They're using all different types of wavelengths. They're using all different types of uh, dosages. And that can be within the same condition. So it's really tough to get a, a cookie cutter protocol perspective on like, if I'm a consumer, how do I use my my device best to treat this particular condition. There's certainly guidelines, but it's not like we can give people an exact answer, which I think can be relatively frustrating for a consumer who just wants like, like it's easy to pop a pill or it's easy to go exercise for 30 minutes and get a particular benefit. But with red light therapy, each condition takes a slightly different protocol. And like you alluded to multiple times, this is a very bio-individual treatment. Any type of frequency treatment is very bio-individual. So a particular protocol for a particular condition is going to work for me. But if we do the exact same one for you, you might have to tweak your, your protocol to get the similar benefit. So I think that's where, where red light therapy can get people frustrated or they might not see the result they're looking for. So they say red light therapy or photobiomodulation doesn't work. So I'm hoping that over the coming years, we we just continue to get a consistent flow of research to continue to get a more concrete or specific idea of of how we can best wield this this uh frequency and energy modality yeah i think like it's frustrating for the lay people but also for the researchers it's just so difficult to kind of 
conduct any like research to get the good idea about the possible dose responses and as you said there can be so many like contextual factors like people may react like differently to different doses of pbm and as i brought up earlier there could be like some factors such as the time of irradiation maybe it could be better to get the light in the morning so there are like many factors that could affect the result and i believe it may take a very long time until we we like understand that better and sometimes in pbm field it seems like you're getting even some like very uh, so, sometimes like null results that we didn't expect like for example the mouth inflammation and the oral mucositis like we had maybe 30 positive results from randomized trials and now there are like two recent quite large trials that didn't report benefits compared to placebo even though the parameters were not too different from the previous ones so there are like a lot of open questions but um, so people who want to use PBM on themselves or to treat other people with PBM, I guess we kind of have to accept the uncertainty to some extent. It's like very many more uncertainties with PBM than some other treatments. But on the other hand, on a positive note, also the like risks of pbm are getting lower i mean that maybe the biggest risk for average person is the money money loss if you buy a pbm device in the past pbm devices were much more expensive than nowadays but for example nowadays if you have a health issue and you want to try pbm you can get quite cheap devices so even if it didn't work it would be not, not too bad for you. Like you would just lose a little bit of money. That's all. Right. So that's kind of be, that's maybe one of the reasons why PBM has been becoming so popular lately. Like it's so much cheaper than, than years ago. Yeah, like, to your point, pretty low risk, pretty high reward if, if you're trying to recover from a particular condition or, or just trying to optimize your health. Of course, depending on the type of device, uh, yeah, the, the financial investment can be relatively small or relatively large. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I guess what I want to ask you, Vladimir, I mean, we've talked a lot about the research, but <laughs> I want to talk about you and how you use it specifically. I know in the intro... You use it uh, a handful of days a week for about five minutes, but have have you treated it successfully for particular conditions or injuries or pains and aches and stuff like that? Um, I haven't been using PBM for any specific thing. I just like uh, uh, when I wrote the article on PB, like sunlight and health, I kind of was talking about the idea that maybe it's just good to get enough light and most people may not be getting enough light. So I'm kind of using PBM as a supplementary source of light. And uh, when I irradiate myself, I use it maybe one or two minutes on like my uh, throat 
on thyroid area and then a few minutes on other body parts quite randomly um i may find my device actually within like 10 or 20 seconds so i'll be right back so i can show it here on the because like we are recording audio but there will be this video as well so just 10 seconds sure sounds great okay found it and it looks like this it's like a small oh i accidentally (laughs) like switch it because it has a kind of this touch thing when you keep your finger here uh, for a few seconds it uh, goes off or you can switch it on but anyways it's a like small led panel with 12 leds that are pretty are are those um red and near infrared or just red light only yeah this has six red leds and six near infrared so both of them and for this device that you can buy in finland they don't really i they have like larger models where you can like get only red or only near infrared irradiation but this model you cannot switch between red or near infrared um but it's really nice to see a device where that is battery powered like you can charge it and it lasts for a long time so you don't have to charge it often i kind of dislike the very heavy and large panels because i personally like to like keep it in the device in my hand uh, and if it's too too heavy and large you have to use two hands and it's like not always that easy to use <laughs> so it's nice that the devices are getting like they're cheaper but also we are having like more like of the different designs of these devices and especially these battery powered devices are pretty cool in my opinion yeah very cool i mean so what are your thoughts just in general about let's say doing spot treatments kind of like with a smaller device like that handheld or like a tabletop model uh versus a full body panel or like uh like a sleeping bag product where you can have your body covered basically head to toe in 360 degrees. What kind of benefits would you get from that full body treatment that you wouldn't necessarily get with with uh, the spot treatments? I wish we had like more research on the full body PBM so far. But so far, I guess we know it may be beneficial for sleep and fibromyalgia and I guess it's quite likely that it could be beneficial at least acutely for blood pressure. And of course, when you like stimulate a larger part of your body, it's kind of if PBM brings some maybe positive health benefits through the maybe uh, of course the mechanisms of systemic effects they are not clear that uh, so far but but for example, some people say that skin is a major endocrine gland of the body it uh, you have a lot of skin and the skin also secretes stuff to the bloodstream and it could be that if you irradiate a lot of your skin each body part and uh, the pbm brings some benefits then 
uh, it's better to have like more skin covered with the red light but um, I still don't know maybe that's something that we will learn more about in the next few years but uh, for me personally why I use a small device is partially like of the because of the thing that I, I like the cheap devices personally I, I come from this background where the money is quite scarce and the large panels are pretty expensive for myself at least so probably if i come from a, a little bit different background i might i could maybe own a large panel as well but for myself like if we, we consider the risks and benefits of pbm like i keep my risk small by using the small device and i suppose even that size should bring benefits sure sure that no that makes sense have you had any friends or family or otherwise people you you communicate with that have had some interesting or novel uh benefits by by using red light therapy mm, uh, not many from my family maybe one who reports like kind of feeling better from the pbm and even like i personally think i kind of it affects my alertness or kind of general feelings to some extent. But uh, I've been hearing like a lot of anecdotes, both from like of friends and like friends are telling anecdotes about their friends. And then when you are in Facebook groups, uh, like related to PBM, there you also like hear a lot of people like posting anecdotes. So like quite commonly, uh, you can hear like about people telling of wounds or, or ulcers that don't heal for a long time, but after PBM, it starts healing at much a higher rate. And then, for example, I have heard about some physiotherapists, like I know personally some physiotherapists who have claimed that there are some issues, for example, some shoulder issues that uh, seem to like benefit from PBM. And then I have heard about some like old people who have memory issues and after PBM, their cognition improves a lot. So in my personal like friend circles or family, PBM is not very popular because I, as a person, I don't really advertise PBM to anybody. I just... I keep relatively quiet about my projects. <laughs> like uh, I'm not claiming that PBM is like super uh, promising to like people in my life. It's something that uh, I may do on in some specific in internet basis. For example, my blog. But yeah, I use it personally, and some of people I know use it as well. But that's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And this will be my last question before we wrap up, Vladimir. And this is because when I traveled to Italy last fall, late fall, early winter, to speak on photobiomodulation, what I learned from a lot of people when I was talking to them is that Europe in general is kind of behind when it comes to these novel biohacking tools or just you know healing modalities compared to the U.S., and I don't know if you'd be able to get that perception or how much interaction you have with with people in the U.S. 
do you get that impression from Finland that these types of things that you're reading about and learning about, because you're certainly on the cutting edge, like you're way ahead of your time for Finland or for Europe, and that it's going to take years before, let's say, red light therapy becomes relatively popular in Finland? Um, yeah, for example, here in Finland and basically in other Scandinavian countries and many European countries in general, there is not very much PBM research. For example, like in America, in US, there is a lot of like uh, I have like counted that there have been like PBM studies have been published from like 34 different states. And in some of them, a lot of PBM like research is happening. And then Brazil is the top one country in the world doing PBM research. But in Europe, there are like a few countries where you can see like PBM research coming quite regularly, for example, like Italy and UK, but um, other like other countries, PBM is not that much researched in Europe. Um, I guess in Finland, um, I'm not pretty sure about the reasons, but 10 years ago we had this like ear lights where the idea was that you could treat uh, seasonal depression if you put bright like earbuds to your ear. And that's... Uh, Research was kind of a little bit flawed at, from the beginning, like not very good research. And when they had some further research done, it showed like no effect. So I guess, and it was very like much reported in the news that this ear light thing doesn't work. So like in Finland, like almost everybody like, probably starts to think about this thing that didn't work when somebody brings up red light treatment. So we have kind of this history of that, like Finnish people maybe do not want to learn about treatment that may be kind of quackery or some like pointless. So I guess it will probably take time to kind of change people's minds about the PBM research, even though like already there is a lot of good quality run like clinical trial evidence for PBM, still like people are very reserved. But like during the maybe last two years, I guess the tides are turning. So I I guess I've been hearing uh, hearing like more like interest from people also in the medical fields about pbm so maybe that will change and uh, even in general if we look at the trends of like how popular pbm is i guess there is a huge change happening like pbm is nowadays much more popular than five years ago so maybe five years from now the difference may be different in Finland as well. I know that here are some young people who are like interested about skin care, like young women and maybe women of all ages. Like, for example, Korean 
I have heard that Korean like skincare is becoming popular in Europe nowadays. And uh, that also seems to include the use of red light masks. Like um, interesting kind of PBM masks for uh, like face skin treatment. And that could be kind of one uh, path how PBM is becoming maybe first popular within lay people, like amongst lay, lay people. And maybe later the scientists will also be more interested to read about red light therapy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you just need like one of those types of products that people are enamored by. It might not be red light therapy, how you and I think about it, but it's like people can get their feet wet with this red light therapy mask. And then maybe that pulls them into these smaller panels or a full body, and, you know, it just kind of gets the uh, people's interest and exposure, at least out there. I mean, <laughs> I, I can tell you for a fact that uh, most people um, that I interact with or that, that purchased products skin care or skin health is certainly the, the number one uh, reason why why people are seeking out products. And I would say pain is probably a close number two, uh, but, but skin health or anti-aging anti skin health is certainly number one. Vladimir, do you have any last words for, for the people listening about red light therapy? I mean, this has been a great conversation. I've certainly learned a lot. Um, I have immense appreciation for the time and energy you've put into this database. But any last words for people listening, whether your thoughts on red light therapy or or health and wellness in general? Nothing specific, I guess. But um, I, I kind of hope that when this episode will be published, let's maybe put like one or two links. And of course, like if you take a look at the <laughs> database now, something I want to kind of mentioned that there are also like some other tabs in the database one is like research stats oh uh, I see one that. is yeah. like select selected links about pbm there you can find links for the books and news stories and manufacturers so if you feel like it this could be like interesting at the moment like i'm kind of probably willing to continue this project for many years so i suppose it may grow into like a very nice product i mean like free product at some point but yeah i guess we talked about many of the most important things already and thanks for having the discussion with me absolutely my pleasure thanks for coming on and just to clarify um We'll certainly add these links to to the show notes. Do you want us to include the the database you've created, um, your blog yeah. summary, like like those those uh, links? Yeah, at least those two, uh, the database and blog summary. Sure. It, it could be that maybe two or three years from now, I may also publish a new blog article. But yeah, and then yeah, maybe one link could be to my Google Scholar. So there. On my profile, people can also take a look at the scientific papers. I've oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I got that. The the Yeah, you gave me that link. So I'll, I'll have those three links in the show notes for people to go check out your database, your blog summary, and uh, your Google Scholar page so they can learn more from you there. Yeah, I guess that is all. Because like 
I'm not kind of a public person like at the moment. I I don't have a like web page or any I don't sell products or anything right now. Maybe five years from now, but right now I'm just interested in just providing some material from pe- for people. Well, I think I can speak for everyone. Your <laughs> again, your time and your energy, your dedication even just for this database, let alone the research you do, um, your blogs is is tremendously appreciated and it's just going to help further grow uh, this red light therapy or this photobiomodulation space quicker than if you hadn't done this stuff. So, so thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you want to go learn more from uh, Vladimir, check out the links in the show notes to check out this amazing database, his blogs, and his Google Scholar page. But for Vladimir Heiskanen, this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off of another episode of the Red Light Report. And um, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.